You're listening to AACTE Presents, the University Principal Preparation Initiative, a podcast designed to inspire learning opportunities and educational partnerships to create highly trained and qualified principals who will influence and shape their learning communities. Brought to you by the Wallace Foundation. Throughout this series, we've covered a lot of ground in terms of what makes an effective principal and how their preparation can be improved at the university level to effectively prepare them for their role as a principal in order to meet the needs of their school and their district. And we discussed some of the common gaps that seem to exist between how candidates were being prepared and what they were responsible for once they stepped into the principal role. Skills like managing resources, hiring and retaining talent, and culture building. And we've discussed how equity plays a foundational role throughout a candidate's training. One significant piece of the principal's role we want to address is in the role of instructional leadership. Wallace published a report recently entitled How Principals Affect Students of Schools that looked at research on school leadership starting at the year 2000 and how the landscape of leadership has changed. And it turns out that landscape has changed significantly. If you're interested in reading the full report, you can find it in the link of the show notes. But for the purpose for this podcast, we spoke with Jason Grissom, lead author of this report to share a few key findings. We identify three broad classes of skills that principals need, and that those three broad classes of skills support four domains of effective practice or behaviors that principals need to focus on to be successful. So the three broad classes of skills are people skills, so skills around relationship building, caring, human development, instructional skills, so skills that principals need to be able to engage in instruction and what we have often thought of as instructional leadership in their schools, and then skills for the organization. So management skills, other kinds of skills that a person needs to lead a complex organization. So one of those is instructional engagement with teachers. So this is teacher observation, feedback, connecting what you observe in a classroom to professional learning, being able to use data to support teachers' instruction. The report goes deeper into each of these three skills mentioned, and we asked Jason for some deeper insights, particularly related to instructional leadership through an equity lens. Here were some of his findings based on his research. I think that programs over time have shifted towards being instructional leadership focused, which maybe is a positive, but one of the challenges with the idea of instructional leadership is that it's a pretty diffused concept and everybody has a different definition for what it means. And my read of the evidence that we present in the report is that you get further by having a more specific definition of what instructional engagement looks like, which is one that is very focused on teacher improvement. That's very focused on what's the information that you have available to you through teacher observation, through looking at students' data and so forth that can tell you what teachers excel at and also what teachers need to improve at and to put structures and processes and and feedback opportunities in place to support teachers to both reinforce what they're doing well. So for example, when a principal is engaging instructionally with a teacher, looking at data from a teacher's classroom to think about where a teacher might need to focus, that principal might be looking at differences between, say, kids who are free and reduced price lunch eligible and kids who are not, and thinking about are there ways that the teacher can tailor their instructional strategies to ensure that that teacher is supporting kids from low-income backgrounds 
or in conducting teacher observation is attentive to, well, oh yeah, the teacher is engaging kids in this classroom, but is the teacher engaging all kids? Are there some kids who have specific qualities like persistently low achieving kids or English language learners in the room who are not being engaged at the same level? Okay, so that that is approaching the instructional engagement work through an equity lens. When we're facilitating collaboration and professional learning community, are we encouraging teachers to work together around not only trying to pursue higher outcomes for kids, but also to try to close gaps among kids and tailoring their sort of collective practice and their collaboration together around figuring out strategies to close gaps. And then when we think about managing personnel and resources strategically, can we manage towards equity goals? Instructional leadership and coaching has been found to be a common gap within the research Wallace has conducted through the years. And one university in particular, who went through the UPPI program redesign, found this to be true for them as well. Janice Carthen, professor and project director for UPPI at Albany State, shares more on what they learned regarding this gap when going through their program redesign. I think the research that the Wallace Foundation provided actually kind of backed up what we kind of already knew One thing was the fact that when we developed our curriculum, we did that in silo. In other words, it was just, you know, university faculty and staff coming up with the courses, the pro, you know, what we will be teaching in these courses, what we should be teaching. And then we did get feedback from our district partners where somehow there were gaps And we had those hard conversations with uh, some of the districts because what we saw happening was even one of the districts we serve in our service area where they start creating professional development opportunities where they are trying to grow their own leaders. And so we saw schools were doing that and we were preparing leaders as well. And then also one of the district kind of shared some survey data with us as well in terms of how the graduates were performing at their schools that graduated from our program. We knew that there was a disconnect. And so the question is, how do we bring this together? One area of feedback in particular they received through the conversations with districts was in the area of instructional coaching, and they saw an immediate need to make improvements in this area. We in a rural area, and so most of the districts, school districts that we work with are in rural schools. Therefore, what they are looking for sometimes may not be what they get. But we knew that in instructional leadership, a lot of the School leaders are not comfortable sometimes with that piece because of the content, right? If it's math or science or social studies, and then how do you assist a teacher or how do you model that good instructional practice for teachers such as science and math? And so there are ways of doing that where you don't have that content knowledge. And I think that's what these programs will do now is allow principals to go in and spend some time and get professional development that would strengthen them in terms of instructional leadership. That coaching piece is also an area, I think, where a lot of leaders struggle 
as well. But in rural school system, the superintendents, they wear several hats. And so based on my advisory council meeting recently, superintendents are still saying that somehow we need to get back to curriculum and instructional rituals and routines. One significant step Albany State took to make improvements in instructional leadership was taken in the setting of cohorts and clinical experience that allow candidates to observe teachers in the classroom and give feedback and protocols based on those observations. We know that we need to give them as many opportunities to do that type of observation and then feedback. And so we've incorporated that type of protocol and activity as clinical experiences throughout our program. So we are requiring them to, well, for the state of Georgia, they have to complete at least 750 clinical hours. These are assistant principals. So therefore, there are many opportunities for them to show us where they have engaged in that type of observation and feedback for teachers. And then we are able to take that and provide our candidates some feedback. But that is threaded out throughout our program. So we like to call this a practice ground. And I always tell the candidates, it's okay to make mistakes with us. This is a practice ground. This begs the question, what is an effective practice ground for principal candidates? And a lot of it comes back to building relationships. I think one thing that we have in our program is getting to know our candidates' on-site mentors. And so having a strong on-site mentor who is familiar with the work that our candidates are required to do in the program is very important. So we have to build relationships know who the people are on the team and then what they bring to the table as well. And then we work together to create a situation where not only the candidate is successful, but what the school or the district is trying to accomplish is successful. As Janice has shared, one major improvement at Albany State's prep program was providing adequate practice ground for candidates in the area of instructional leadership once this gap was identified. Additionally, they instituted something called Change Project that encourages and enables students to focus through an equity lens on a particular area of change that they see is needed in their school. One candidate in particular, Felisa McDavid, who now serves as principal of St. James Elementary in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, shares more about her Change Project and how she used the data she collected through an equity lens to identify gaps in her student population and provide mentoring solutions to improve student performance. Within our school that we wanted to change and looking at it, of course, through the equity lens. And in my school, one of the things that's very glaring is, first of all, my school is a a very high functioning school. We have excellent Test scores were among the top, if not the top. We go from first or second within our district when it comes to academic achievement. So we enjoy a history of academic excellence. One of the things Albany State 
allowed us to do was to really look at at data among demographics, to really analyze that data through the equity lens. And in doing so, it was not anything new to me or within my district, because this is unfortunately a trend. But I chose to, as my change project, to close the ELA achievement gap for third and fourth grade African-American students. I only have 6% of my entire school population is African-American. However, when it comes to the achievement of students, we were the lowest performing subgroup. So that's what prompted me to take a look at closing the achievement gap for this particular group of students. And that's based on our state assessment. The data identified some very similar gaps among my African-American students. I was able to look at the equity commitments that we had learned through the playbook and to see that we were lacking a lot of those types of inclusive instructional models, even personnel that would allow through data, through research, that would hopefully help to increase our student scores. So when I saw that, I was able to take each student, identify mentors for each of those students. And we're talking less than 25 students total in third and fourth grade who identifies African-American at my school. So it was very doable. I was able to give the individualized attention to every child based on their individual needs. The students who were special education students, I was able to look at their IEPs and identify goals and fit them or connect them with mentors and school-based buddies who could help them to reach those individual goals. And I did that for every child in my cohort. And of course, I have to start with buy-in from our parents and our teachers and making sure my third and fourth grade teachers knew the purpose. And of course, these were their students and they too wanted to see them succeed. We also did a book study group where students would be able to see themselves and some of the literature and uh, have opportunities to talk and engage with one another because the school population being so small of African-American students, a lot of times they didn't even have another African-American in their classes. So having just that opportunity to meet together with other students who looked like them, to read books about people who shared their culture and background was very powerful. The book club really was so very powerful because I could actually see, and we have data to to show everything that I found in my, or that I included in my change project, the confidence level of those students just having conversations, making them feel important, all children, and just being intentional. And I think a lot of teachers just in my district, in being equitable meant everybody had resources within the classroom. But understanding that equity goes beyond that. It's not just making sure that each person has you know, pencils, papers, and that kind of thing, but that they are included in every aspect of the learning. When they open books, they need to see people who look like them. They need to see teachers who look like them. And we need to make sure that we offer those kinds of experiences if we don't have them. And we need to just be genuinely concerned about every child and every child's background. In conclusion, 
Janice shares her final words of advice for schools who may be considering a prep program redesign as we seek to continue to raise awareness of the impact of principals and student outcomes. I think we should continue to acknowledge the impact of school leadership on student achievement and continue to raise awareness in school districts and higher education institution on the importance of leadership training and preparation. So the research has shown that principals have a great impact on student achievement. And today's principal must be strong instructional leaders and have a passion for student health and well-being. Principals can no longer just be a school manager and student and teachers' needs have to be their priority. Thanks for joining us for this series on the University Principal Preparation Initiative. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably someone who cares deeply about the future of education. So if you're interested in learning more about the work that the Wallace Foundation is doing to improve school leadership, you can visit our website at www.wallacefoundation.org and click on the Knowledge Center tab, where you'll find more resources about school leadership. We hope you'll join us again next time.